the BRICS trading block. Do you know what they're doing? They are actually working to create a completely new currency pegged to gold. They all want to distance themselves from the US dollar. China, Russia, India, Brazil. They want to separate themselves and they have large gold reserves. Academics and scholars, I usually disagree with them, but on this point, I think their analysis is totally right. That was such a dipshit move for the United States because we just showed the whole world that your money's not safe if it's in American banks. Especially considering the fact that had we not frozen their money, this war could have already been over. It's your birthday. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Every year that gets a little bit less. Yay. <laughs> it's your birthday. And this is a really special year because I have sucked at birthdays this year. <laughs> I have absolutely been atrocious. I missed our son's 10-year birthday. Yeah. Because I was filming for History not, Channel. Not your fault. But it still sucked, man. My heart broke. Yeah. And then I missed my birthday. Yeah. For the same reason. I was filming again. Yeah. So our February and April babies were totally missed. Mm -hmm. I tried to make up for it with our daughter's birthday this summer. Yeah. And well, I think I only partially did it because she's so young. She doesn't understand that we've got big things coming next month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for her, it was still like a birthday extravaganza. I think That's the true. last couple of years have been really big for her. She I mean, does. the fact that the first thing she asked for for her birthday is a cruise should be a sign that we're doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to get my, if, it gets, if it keeps getting more expensive, then yes, yeah, the answer is yes. For real, right? <laughs> yeah. For real. She gets the presents on her birthday. She gets yeah. gifts going into her birthday. Mm -hmm. She gets presents after her birthday. And then she yeah. gets these. Yeah. yeah. We, we might not be doing that right. Well, it's because we already knew that the early years are difficult because what we're trying to do is teach them the value of experience. Yes. So we started this shift a few years ago, which for our son made sense at his age where he gets, you know, like three physical gifts and like two experiential gifts. Yeah. Big experiences. Big experiences, right? Like going to space mm -hmm. camp or going on a cruise yeah. or going to wherever, um, you know, that he gets to pick, right? right? And we help him decide. But when you're six and you're five, <laughs> they have a very difficult That's time true. conceptualizing. So, I only get three LOL dolls. Right. So our daughter, on the <laughs> yeah. other hand, has gotten to the place where she gets a pile of material gifts. Yeah. From grandparents and, uh, you know, everybody. And a pile of experiential gifts. Yeah. That's true. So. Yeah. But all of that to say, I sucked on my birthday. I sucked on my son's birthday. I mm -hmm. was kind of OK because I was at least present mm -hmm. for Eli's birthday. Yeah. But I really wanted your birthday to be special because you kind of read me the riot act after I missed a couple of birthdays. <laughs> well, birthdays were a big deal in my family. So it was nothing. It wasn't an extravaganza, but it was a big deal that on the day of your birth, you my mom always made a cake. Mm. You always had a couple friends over. It was celebrated with the whole family. Everybody was there. Yeah. So for me, it's having your family be there. And if they can't be there, having them call you and being able to, I mean, FaceTime with them is amazing now. Um, so that's what's important to me is that we are together yeah. on the birthday. Birthdays right? were not big in my family. Yeah. Birthdays were not big. I remember I had one sister, Angela, mm -hmm. the middle sister, mm -hmm. who always cares about tradition. Yes. But the rest of us, we didn't really, we didn't care. My dad didn't, my stepdad didn't notice. My mom didn't really care. I'm for sure me and my youngest sister didn't pay any attention to it. So 
I carried that on, like mm -hmm. all through college and everything. Birthdays just weren't important to me. Yeah. And you've had to kind of break me of that because in our family, that's a tradition that you want to honor. Yes. It was very important to me. Just the little thing of, you know, making the cake every year, not getting a store-bought. I have got, have done store-bought, but I prefer the tradition of making the cake. And then as they get older, you can make the cake with them. And I just, it's just so this my experience. Idea it's to love, buy. right? That you're pouring into this. So my idea to buy a cake today was a bad idea. Well, the, my problem is that I don't eat dairy anymore. <laughs> so, so can I buy a, a cake? A lot of my dessert options are kind of limited now. <laughs> can I buy the cake for the kids? Yes, absolutely. Does that, does that break the tradition? No, because I mean, as I age also, I feel like part of the celebration is every year that I get with the kids. So I want it to be special for them. I want them to remember birthdays in mm. general as something special that we do together, right? That's what's important to me. That's, and I think that's a beautiful tradition. And you know, what I really like about this is I did not come from a traditional household. Right. And, I, and as a result of that, I did not come from a household that set traditions or honored traditions. Mm. And I never even thought about it until, I mean, honestly, you and I were dating, I still didn't think about it. Yeah. You and I got engaged, didn't think about it. The first few years that we were married, the only tradition we had were Christmas movies before Christmas. Yeah, And that was a great tradition. And I think for a while there, we had like a a grilling tradition where we would grill oh, yeah. dinner on that Friday night. That was an night. amazing tradition. <laughs> <laughs> but once we had kids, I didn't, I, that I had never once considered intentional traditions until you started bringing them up. And even then, I don't think you brought them up until maybe the kids were three or so. Well, because I, it's so hard in the beginning with kids. And I think what happened is that the whole time we were together in the beginning, and this is probably something that often happens in dating relationships that turn into marriages, I was living my traditions, but, and you were going along with them. Right. So it was this unspoken, you were living my traditions mm. because I just did what I did every year. It never even occurred to me that you didn't have your own family traditions <laughs> until we had to talk about it because there was a year where there was like a miss. Mm. You were wor you were working yeah. so much, you were building the business. And I was like, what about Thanksgiving? Yeah. What about your birthday? And after a couple of years, you you know, it came out that this is a big deal to me. Like I am upset. And that's when it came out that you actually didn't have traditions growing up and I have very strong traditions. So now we need to talk about it and set, you know, what we want our life to look like. Intentional because, traditions. Intentional traditions. Because I also realized, you know, my grandmother passed last year yeah. and my grandmother was, you know, the matriarch of the family. Your grandmother passed almost two years ago, I'm pretty sure. It was when we first moved to Jacksonville. So yeah, it's, it was a, a year in March. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... You know, when she passed, suddenly I realized how all of my family traditions had been tied so strongly to her. Mm -hmm. um, and now that she was gone, you know, the, the torch gets passed, right? The torch gets passed to, you know, her children and to me. And now that I have my own kids, so it's really important that we build our own for our kids to, you know, take on and make theirs one day too. And because one day we're going to pass that torch too. It's amazing too, because you can see with our children, our son mm -hmm. is very tradition oriented, just like by personality. It, mm -hmm. He certainly didn't, it wasn't something that I trained him during our yeah. lifestyle. No, right? that's, that's genetic. You can thank me for that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's very into it. He likes yeah. not just even just the tradition of, of Christmas and Thanksgiving, but like mm -hmm. the tradition of the day starts with 
Yeah. Music and books. Yeah. And if he misses that tradition, it's like a ritual for him. Yeah. Right. It's it goes a step beyond tradition. Yeah. And it goes into that routine, that ritual. Mm -hmm. And it's been a beautiful thing because I've had a chance to relive my own childhood, which was traditionless, mm -hmm. through him. Yeah. Because he's our oldest. And then our daughter, who's very much like me, yeah, she's so flexible. She doesn't really care one way or the other, right? She, like, she wants to. She asks you how far away her birthday is. Mm -hmm. How far away is my birthday? Yeah, hundred days. Okay. Yeah. How far away is my birthday? Next week. Okay. Our son knows, yeah. and he's he's excited. How he knows how far away Christmas is. He knows yeah. how far away. Uh, his birthday is he knows how far away you know major holidays are and he cares mm -hmm. because he's excited for the tradition fourth yeah. of july this year was the first time that they had really seen a traditional fourth yes. of july yeah yeah we've, well because we've been all over the world you know fourth of july is here <laughs> so <laughs> when we're overseas it, it's just kind of not a thing yeah but you know i think it's interesting because for our son and i we need, we want a thing to look forward to, right? And we're counting down the days or counting down the hours to mm. the thing that we're looking forward to doing. For you and our daughter, you're looking forward to the, to next. the day. Yeah, you're, that's just like, true. To the next day, to the next hour. The you're next like, moment. To the next moment. Something like, cool is going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> it's so hard for me to conceptualize. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's this really interesting difference in personalities that you know it's i'm i am glad that we have these differences in our household mm. because it helps us understand other people better as well right it's funny because at cia i remember we always had to be really tuned into how a person reacts and how a person thinks mm -hmm. and you and i both work there so we spent our work day mm -hmm. working very hard to tune into how somebody thought yeah right what does their physical body tell us about how, what they're thinking? What does their verbal communication tell us about what they're thinking? Yeah. What does the difference, the discrepancy between their verbal and nonverbal communication mm -hmm. tell us about what they're thinking? But once the workday ended yeah. and we came back home, yeah. we didn't use those skills with each other for a long time. Yeah. And, and we were always confused. Like so many married and dating and, and young parents out there yes. we were confused like what what happened to you why are you acting crazy why are you so <laughs> weird right now when yeah. when we just started applying those same spy skills to our relationship everything changed yeah yeah i remember um when we first lived together there was the dishwasher incident oh do you gosh. remember that one oh, yeah. there <laughs> our... were many dishwasher incidences when we first moved <laughs> but in it together. was our first our first argument was the dishwasher because you loaded it wrong <laughs> there is no wrong way to load it <laughs> I was ask my dad and he will tell you yes. something very different. And that took us how many days for oh that gosh. to come out because you were so yeah. angry that I loaded it wrong yeah. because I, I pack it to the brim. Any place a dish will fit, I will stick it in there and it doesn't really matter as long as the jet can hit it. Yep. It's fine. It runs for like two hours. They're all going to get clean. And you were like, the dishes will not get clean this way. And then it came out three days later yeah. with lots of questions about what's going on with this dishwasher? Why are you so angry? Yeah, why are you so angry? Yeah. Yeah. It came like out somehow like... we can get a, a nuclear scientist to spill his secrets, <laughs> yeah. but it takes me a few days before I admit to my childhood trauma about the dishwasher. Yeah, and I didn't grow up with a dishwasher. So That's for true. me- you were the dishwasher. Yeah, I we just- Your mom, I guess, my was, mom was the dishwasher. The dishwasher. You yeah. didn't even have chores growing up. You didn't even have chores growing up. We had chores. You were like this, <laughs> this coddled little girl. I was the the footstool of my you, dad. You were a bit of Cinderella, but I did have chores. Although my mom let me pick, so I would always, you know, my 
my analysis at the time was always I could dust the entire house and vacuum or I can clean the one bathroom that we have in the house. What's going to be faster? Because <laughs> I want to be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really interesting to me because you know the the conflict that we experienced mm -hmm. from that miscommunication on, on traditions yeah on the dishwasher yeah. remember you used to lock you still lock every door safety <laughs> i don't lock doors i know you don't i don't lock most people that i meet don't lock many doors they lock doors out of habit like they'll lock their car door mm -hmm. and they'll lock their front door yeah but that doesn't mean they're locking the door between the house and the garage remind me again where you grew up Rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up in a city in a, in a small city where if you didn't lock your car door, somebody stole something true. from it. If you didn't lock your front door, somebody would walk in and steal your stuff while you're in the backyard. That's true. Right? Yeah, it was kind of a hood city. Yeah, back in the day. Back was, in the day, it's it was so nice, nice now. It's so nice now. Yeah. Saint Petersburg, Florida, yeah. the city that we're talking about, yes. is gorgeous right now. Yeah. It is completely hard for me to believe that in 1992, mm -hmm. when you were 12 years old, that yeah. place was ghetto and dangerous and yeah. and everything else. Because no you go there now and it's art districts, yeah. coffee so houses, nice. skyscraping condominiums, waterfront property. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful now. Yeah. But so many couples have these arguments mm -hmm. because essentially there's a gap in communication. Yeah. And the gap in communication is verbal communication because there is no gap in nonverbal communication. Right. You can absolutely tell when your spouse is lying to you. Mm -hmm. Their body language shows that you are still mm -hmm. like this now. I can still tell. I'm not when, a good liar. When you're not there. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm talking to you, but you're somewhere else, I can see it. I can see it in your body language. Yeah. When I ask if something is okay and it's not, I can still <laughs> see it in your body language. Yeah. Even when, a, when I send you a text message. Yeah. Right? I can send you a text message and I can say, how do you feel about this idea? And if the answer I get back is something like, sure. sure. <laughs> That's actually body language because I know yeah. that you just pressed the automatic answer that mm -hmm. pops up at the bottom of your mm -hmm. of your operating system that yeah. says, you know, yes, no, sure, okay. And I just, I can tell yeah. you just press that button. I, I actually, I type in sure. Even worse. I know because sure is the definite like anger, like S-U-R-E. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. There are so many... Dating couples, married couples, engaged couples, couples with children, oh. second marriages. Yeah. Right? Second time dating before a second marriage. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it's very difficult to hide your nonverbal communication. And even the people yeah. who think that they're good at it usually are not good mm -hmm. at it because they're taking, they're finding false confidence in their bad nonverbal mm -hmm. communication. What the reason so many communication gaps exist. Mm -hmm isn't because people are good at hiding what they mean. It's because yeah. people are not looking at body language. Mm. People are not looking to see is there extra rigidity in your partner's back. They're not looking mm -hmm. for signs that they're closed off. They're not looking for signs that they feel threatened. Yeah. Right. And what did CIA teach us? CIA taught us a very basic rubric for nonverbal communication, mm -hmm. right? Closed. Mm -hmm. If their body, if the arms cross the body in any way, right? High, low, any way at all, right? Yeah. That's a closed position. They yeah. are not receptive to you. Mm -hmm. If someone's grabbing their face or their throat in any way, mm -hmm. that's not interest. That's threat, mm -hmm. right? Because this is like the part of your body that's the most vulnerable. So they're protecting yeah. those vulnerable parts 
of their body. So if you see actions, if you see behaviors like that, straight yeah. rigidity, right? Mm -hmm. A straight, rigid back doesn't mean that they have fantastic posture. <laughs> it means that they're on the edge of their decision-making about fight or flight, yeah. right? That's why you see proper posture. So yeah. when you see your partner holding themselves in these positions, mm -hmm. that's a, it's a clear sign that they are communicating to you non-verbally, no matter what they say, no matter what comes out of their mouth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think it's important what you, the first thing you said was, you know, the, the verbal communica communication is lacking. So even if you learn how to read the body language, you have to go the step further verbally. Yes. Because you can tell by my body language if I'm upset, but you can't always guess without the verbal communication why, why I'm upset. Or how upset. Exactly. That's so, I true. mean, you can tell, you know, you can come into the kitchen and immediately know that I'm upset about something. But you don't know if I'm upset at you, if I'm upset at our six-year-old, yeah, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm just upset because, you know, I was watching a TV show that was very emotional, you know, one of those tearjerker cartoon, you know, uh, commercials. <laughs> tearjerker commercials. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it embarrassing when you get so old that commercials affect your emotions? Oh my God. You can relate to so much more <laughs> when you're older. <laughs> and it's always, they make me cry. That's yes. what they do. It's these commercials of like happy parents and young children and yes. then in the next scene the young child's like a teenager yes. and then they're a grown-up and you're like i want to buy downy fabric softener <laughs> yeah. it's horrible yeah but you're exactly right i mean picking up on the nonverbal is really just the entry point for you to then yes. introduce verbal communication and that's not easy either especially not in relationships where one one adult mm -hmm. one partner mm -hmm. is a communicator and the other partner is not but my i think yeah. what i'm getting at is just everybody would move the dial yeah in the right direction if we just turned on our awareness mm -hmm. of nonverbal communication yeah. closed positions threatened positions and then of course the opposite right open positions yeah when someone's opening up their chest their center of energy mm -hmm. right heart lungs it all this it all rests here when somebody opens up Mm -hmm. that center of energy they're really receptive to what you have to say yeah when someone leans in yeah right that means that they're trying to close a distance they're trying they're seeking that connection mm -hmm. so when you have that kind of behavior you know you know you're, when they nod their head like you're nodding your head right now yeah you know that there is a connection being built you know that what's coming across is genuine it's very hard for someone to intentionally fabricate mm -hmm. when they are showing nonverbal cues like an open chest yeah. head nods and leaning in it's just hard for people to lie that way it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work in the cognitive brain right yeah, without yeah. a lot of training exactly you'd have to actually be intentionally putting on the act yeah yeah naturally it's it's hard to fake so in honor of your birthday mm -hmm. i kind of want to talk about things that make jihee happy i kind of <laughs> want to talk about things that make you smile and make you laugh because I want to share your birthday with the world. And we have a huge, we have a great plan today. Mm -hmm. It's all family time, except yeah. for right now. Actually, how do you feel about that? You're working <laughs> on your birthday. That's okay. You're sitting here recording with me on your yeah. birthday. We, I'm pretty sure we threw the kids in front of iPads so yeah. we could come in here and record. Yeah. So parenting fail? They're having a good time. They are having a good They're time. They're very happy about their iPad time. And I woke up and my daughter gave me that made me a tiny little card that said, happy birthday. And she'd asked me how to write 43, which is what I am. And she said, what, what side do the numbers go on? And then when I got the card, it said 34. So I was pretty happy about that. I'll <laughs> gift take, number one. Gift number one. I'll take 34 all day. <laughs> it was 
so cute. So you don't feel bad about working on your birthday. Because technically, I got in trouble for working on everybody else's birthday. Because when you work, you're apart from us. But right now, I'm working and I'm with you. You made me a great breakfast. You already know that food, my stomach, is really the weight of my heart. That's true. You found that on pretty early on. Yeah. yeah. And luckily, that hasn't come back to bite us yet. <laughs> because you do a great job of staying fit, staying healthy. And, uh, and otherwise, I have put some absolutely terrible unhealthy food in front of you so <laughs> well your cooking's gotten so much better <laughs> since since we started dating that's for sure. true when we first started dating yeah. i was basically just like a rice and chicken breast kind of guy oh yeah i remember it was frozen chicken breast with like a slice of a uh, onion and a wedge of cheese on top <laughs> so healthy though so healthy. so healthy i am certain not gonna win a girl no <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah i remember the, the birthday that you got me a cookbook yes <laughs> That was, was not a, that was not a subtle hint. No, I got you a cookbook, yep. a beer making book, yep. and a giant pot to and a, brew and a beer. And yeah. a cookbook on how to make sauces. Yes. Because and all soups. of my food was dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me help you out. Oh my gosh. We have come a long way. Yeah. That is funny. We have come a long way. So yeah, all things that make Jihi happy. One of the things that makes Jihi happy that I've never ever understood is reaching for your freaking cell phone first thing in the morning. How in the hell does that make you happy? You wake up and uh -huh. like, I reach for your body first thing in the morning. <laughs> you reach for your cell phone. Yeah. Why? Well, so I'm, I'm being weighed down by your body and I can't get out of bed. So I reach my arm over the side <laughs> and I'm awake and you're snoozing. So I reach my arm over the side there and I like to read the news. I wake up slowly. I like to read the news first thing in the morning. It helps me wake my brain up slowly. Um, I have, you know, the news that comes into my email boxes, mm. I, you know, from The Economist and AP News. I just get those emails and I just go through the headlines and kind of see what's going on. It makes me feel connected to the world. It helps wake my brain up and get it going. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm slow in the morning. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so I can't even, I can't even focus on something in the morning. Like when I open my mm. eyes, they're bl like blurry really? and crusty. Do you open your eyes first thing in the morning and it's clear? It's clear enough to read. Wow, <laughs> that is not the way I see the world. It's interesting because until we had kids, you were the one who always woke up first and would spring out of bed yep. and say, get up and get active. <laughs> and I have to roll over and be like, oh, please make me some food first. <laughs> <laughs> But now I feel like it's the opposite yeah. where you, t I mean, you're working so hard these days, but you do tend to sleep a little longer. And then my brain, I don't necessarily want to get up and get active, but my brain wants to get a kickstart. Mm. So, yeah. But you've always, you've always tuned into the news. Yeah. It, I, it, for a short period there, you would tune into social media, mm -hmm. but then I think that used to irritate you. I think, I think social media in general irritates you. Yeah. And I don't just mean professionally because you used to use social media mm -hmm. to target people. Mm -hmm. But I think it just irritates you because it's so, I don't know, phony, so fake. There's some reason that it irritates you. Yeah. Social media is hard for me because it's everybody living their best life, but it's only snippets. Yeah. Right. And so no matter how I'm feeling, I'm seeing these amazing snippets of people living their best life. And all I can think about is why aren't I in Phuket, why aren't I in Fiji? Why, why don't I look beautiful? Yeah. Why am I not why am I not tasting? Well, of course that's you know the one time right of the year. You know, yeah. maybe that's their first vacation in five years that I'm seeing, right? 
Um, the highlight reel of everybody's day. Yeah. That but does suck. Yeah. But for me, mentally, it's not helpful. But for me, seeing the news every morning or listening to the news, when we used to drive into CIA, I liked listening to NPR so I could get the news first thing mm -hmm. in the morning. Um, I liked driving in when the BBC news was on mm -hmm. um, because I want to connect and just have an idea of what's going on in the world. Yeah. What's what's going on in the world on your birthday? On my birthday? What's happening today? I have no idea. I didn't read the news today. Happy birthday to me! <laughs> <laughs> Today's a, I don't care what's going on because I'm having my birthday. That's because we have a whole day planned for your birthday. We're yeah. going to go paint some pottery. Yeah. We're going to hang out as a family. We're going to yeah. watch a family movie. Yeah. The kids get their Minecraft while we record a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. so true. I know what's not going on. Spider-Man Across the Universe is not out yet for me to stream. That's a little sad for my birthday. Well, then let me, let me tell you something that didn't happen on your birthday. Well, mm -hmm. well let me clarify. Let me just tell you what happened. Mm -hmm. I bought you a gift. Oh. You don't know what the gift is. I don't. No, I bought you other gifts and you know what all those gifts are. But this is a gift that I bought you that you don't know about. And I'm pretty sure you're not going to be excited. <laughs> I'm pretty Surprises sure. don't generally go over well with me. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> so I bought you cryptocurrency for your birthday. Oh, interesting. I bought you 1000 XRP, also known as Ripple. Okay. Cryptocurrency today. Okay. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. Thank you. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you know how I feel about cryptocurrency. <laughs> how do you feel about cryptocurrency? It's make-believe money. <laughs> I mean, it's not fully make-believe, but, so, but tell me what you, what do you think about cryptocurrency? So in the vein that things have value that people assign value to, then yes, it is real. But I have never been a person who has fully understood the stock market, or futures or <laughs> cryptocurrency because if I can't touch it in my hands, <laughs> then it's not real. Yeah. So I'm just one of those old school, if we traded clamshells for stuff, that would be fine <laughs> by me. I miss my checkbook and my register, know. you know. We yeah, have paper you know calendars all over the house We for do. You. I, like, I like the tangible. And, and in, in the tradition <laughs> that I am always trying to modernize you, mm -hmm. I yeah. bought you cryptocurrency. <laughs> So I now I can learn about it. So now you can learn about it. Okay. So I bought you Ripple. The reason I bought you Ripple mm -hmm. is because the in a recent announcement, uh -huh. the king of England mm -hmm. made a formal bill that makes cryptocurrency a core trading commodity in the banks of the UK. That's fascinating. So cryptocurrency has been on this. We've been following it for a long time. Yes. People have been asking about it for a long yes. time. We've watched the rise and kind of decline of Bitcoin. I don't know that they're mm. coming back from that decline. Mm. I know lots of people are going to hate hearing that. Yeah. And I have lots of peers that, that, are, that are millionaires now because of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. They had more millions, though, before November of yeah. last year, I think it was. Well, it's all evolving. It's, it's so always new. evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Cryptocurrency is always evolving, right? Yeah. We made the claim, by we, I mean Everyday Spy, our company, yeah. made the claim almost a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. maybe even two years ago. That cryptocurrency is never going to be something that governments get behind as mm -hmm. long as it's fully decentralized. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. governments need to centralize the yes. exchange of financial capital. They have to. Yeah. It's how they track criminals. It's how they protect against embezzlement. It's how they secure their tax base. Yeah. So as long as you fully decentralize with cryptocurrencies that nobody can track or that yeah. nobody can tax, mm -hmm. 
then the, all the financial services of the world kind of collapse. And how did the yeah. United States become wealthy? How did the UK become wealthy? Their number one export is financial services, digital services. Mm. You would collapse two of the largest economies in the world if true decentralized cryptocurrency ever actually happened. Mm -hmm. So we made the claim that while cryptocurrency will always be something that governments resist in a decentralized fashion, when the, when the cryptocurrencies start to come out mm -hmm. that are intentionally centralized, yeah. that are there to facilitate the financial services that have built the United States and the UK and China and India mm -hmm. and you know Singapore, mm -hmm. when those start to be born, then they're gonna be widely adopted. Yeah. And that is actually happening. That happened, that started to happen this week. Something called ISO 20022 mm -hmm. is a standardization process mm -hmm. that formalizes how future financial transactions will happen. The release of that ISO number, along with the release of the of King Charles's statement about a, a, applying a bill, a formal legal yeah. bill to using cryptocurrencies in the UK marketplace, those two things together are are driving a huge push. Yeah. The adoption of cryptocurrencies by first world countries. Yeah. One of the core cryptocurrencies being used for that push is the one you now own 1,000 of. Well, hooray. So Ripple, XRP, <laughs> is what's known, they call it a stable coin. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's actually a stable coin. I think technically it's a coin that's value is derived from another coin. Hmm. I think that's technically what it is. Yeah. But regardless, it's considered to be a very reliable tool in the crypto market mm -hmm. for handling transactions between international players. So when mm. when you want to transfer money to the UK and when the yeah. UK wants to transfer money to you, yeah. it can be transferred almost instantaneously through coins like Ripple, yeah. which is why I thought it would be good to buy for you. Yeah, and that would be amazing because um, transitioning between different currencies is always so so time consuming. yeah time consuming and complex and, and expensive expensive yes. right every time we go somewhere where, where were we recently we were in uh, we were in portugal mm -hmm. and we paid i think we paid a 12 percent conversion rate yeah because of all of the administrative processes that have to happen just yeah. to convert euros to dollars yeah right cryptocurrency is going to reduce that price take out all those administrative costs mm -hmm. and make the transaction fully legal fully auditable yeah and almost instantaneous so i wanted you to be on the fore, the leading edge of that. Now, can I continue geeking out on this for just a second? Yeah. Okay, because I, I I like geeking out, but sometimes I go way too geek with you. I'm just thinking about the Venetian glass I'm going to buy with this cryptocurrency somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I go to Venice. <laughs> Luckily, I bought you the cryptocurrency, but I, I, I haven't taught you how to convert it into dollars yet. <laughs> well, lucky for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I think this will get a smile out of you. Where is one of your favorite places ever that we have visited together? Together? New Zealand. New Zealand. I knew you were going to say that first. Yeah. New Zealand lives in a part of the global of the map. Remember what it's called? The Oceana. Oceana. Yes. Oceana. <laughs> Great job. High five. <laughs> Thanks. Remembrance. Yeah, I love it. On your birthday. <laughs> birthday getting the noggin to work <laughs> so new zealand is is in oceana mm -hmm. ripple the coin that i bought you is actually tied to a coin that is being adopted as the primary currency in another oceana countries a country called palau p-a-l-a-u yeah. you've palau. heard of it yeah palau so palau actually is considered a protectorate yeah of the united states 
That's fascinating. Yep. So what you essentially have here, and what some crypto followers are calling yeah. a test bed, that the United States is using Palau as a test bed to test the widespread adoption and commercialization of a cryptocurrency to replace mm -hmm. actual physical currency. Huh. And the primary currency that's being, it's being tied to Palau is Ripple. So essentially, Palau has its own coin backed to the US dollar. Uh -huh. That's technically what a stable coin is. Uh -huh. A stable coin is a piece of cryptocurrency tied to a fiat currency. Palau has that. Now, XRP is anchored to the Palau stablecoin. So essentially, your XRP that I bought you is a second generation stablecoin? I don't know. It's tied to the Palau coin, which is tied to the US dollar. So what's happening is the West is doubling down on tying currencies to the US dollar, even tying cryptocurrencies to the US dollar. So I wanted to kind of give you a little piece of Oceana yeah. and a little piece of modern tech and a deep geek fest dive <laughs> by buying you your first cryptocurrency. But you're saying it's still tied to something tangible. Correct. Okay. Technically, all future cryptocurrencies, again, this is this is how you this is where mm -hmm. everyday spy, this is where our company stands on <laughs> cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency will never be adopted widespread unless it's tied to something tangible. Right. Because just like you were saying earlier, right? The value of something being based simply on the perceived value of people is something that's never going to be stable. Yeah. It's always going to be unpredictable. Right? Well, That's what kept you from learning about the stock market. It's what kept you from learning about cryptocurrencies in the past because value derived simply from, uh, from uh, skepticism or value derived exclusively from people guessing mm -hmm. isn't real value. Well, and even value derived from, my understanding is Bitcoin is something that's mined through a computer system. And so it's sort of, tangible but it seems so easily lost it's not like gold yeah. right something tied to gold gold is very difficult i mean you can change the properties of gold but it's much harder than an entire computer system going down yeah or being you know aliens come with an emp and then boom all your currency is it's done, gone you know it's kind of wild right yeah yeah or i mean and that's why there have been so many just tremendous hacks of cryptocurrency yeah. because it's oh, yeah. hard to stay ahead of it. Yes. A criminal is always incentivized to find a vulnerability before a vulnerability is shored up. Right. When cryptocurrency, like when Bitcoin was at, I don't even know what was it. I don't know what it was at its peak. I think right now it's sitting at around twelve dollars or $14,000 per Bitcoin. Who wouldn't? I, I, If I was 19 years old right now and unemployed, mm. hell yes, I would be like, I'm, I'm gonna learn how to steal some Bitcoin. <laughs> That's a hell of a return on investment. If I could spend you don't six even have hours, to go anywhere. Yeah. You don't have to get a truck or bags or ski masks. Just or learn just how to hack a system, and boom, it's there. And you know what? Steal it from some foreigner, so it's not even against American law. Just steal it from somebody in Russia. Because steal it from somebody regulated. in Belarus, and now you're considered an American hero, right? It's wild, but that's I can absolutely see why it is that people would look for that. But as we delve into this, it's really interesting because also happening on your birthday, mm -hmm. while we in the United States and even the cryptocurrency that I just purchased for you, while all of it's pushing towards doubling down on the US dollar, mm -hmm. the BRICS trading block, yeah. do you know what they're doing? The renminbi. 
<laughs> Doling out somebody else's money. They are actually working to create a completely new currency pegged to gold. Really? Because, if you can believe this or not, the top 10 countries holding gold reserves, one of them is the United States. We hold the largest gold reserves in the entire world. Right. The other 10, the other nine out of the top 10, they all want to distance themselves from the US dollar. Mm. Four of those nine are BRICS leadership countries. China, Russia, India, yeah. Brazil. Yeah. They want to separate themselves and they have large gold reserves. So it makes sense. You can't can't say that doesn't make sense for them. It doesn't, right? So yeah. you tie your currency away from the US dollar, peg it to gold instead, and all of a sudden you have less dependence on the United States. Right. And yeah. I, I really was I was so upset, I was so frustrated when we did this to Russia during the Russia Ukraine war when we blocked their access to American accounts. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Like that was such a dipshit move for the United States mm. because we just we just orchestrated for the whole world. We just showed the whole world that your money's not safe yeah. if it's in American banks. That's the exact opposite of the message that we should be sending. So now anybody who even remotely thinks that they have a conflict with the United States now or in the next, what, 50 years, mm -hmm. they don't want to hold US dollars. They don't want to hold their money in American banks. And we, yeah. we were just talking about it. Our, in, our economy is tied to financial services. What the hell are we going to do when people don't want to do business with American banks because they're afraid that if they do the wrong thing, we're going to lock off access to their accounts. And Russia had real fiat currency. They weren't in debt. It wasn't a line of credit. It mm -hmm. was their actual money. Yeah. And then when we locked it off and we convinced European banks to do the same thing, ooh, yeah. like that was a bad move. That was a bad move and we're going to be paying the penalty for a while. Yeah. Well, and there, there are talks now about you know, when the war is over, who's going to pay to reconstruct? Yeah. And if Ukraine wins and Russia loses, should we, you know, should the world make Russia pay for the reconstruction? And I think a lot of the consensus from various academics and scholars out there are that, no, that's a, a really bad idea. Um, so academics and scholars, I usually disagree with them, but on this point, I think their analysis is totally right. Yeah. Right. That's if it's such a bad idea to hold someone's money hostage mm -hmm. and then basically steal their money out of their account that you guaranteed to then rebuild another country, especially considering the fact that had we not frozen their money, mm -hmm. this war could have already been over. Mm. Who knows? We don't know what could have happened had the world not decided to meddle in everything going on. And, and it's hard. It's hard because, you know, it's, it's hard because of all the things that make it hard. Yeah. Who's got sovereignty? Who doesn't have sovereignty? What's what's the right direction? What's the responsibility of the democratic world to to get itself engaged in in yeah. regional conflicts? Well, and I mean, what people are really looking at, what the other countries are really looking at when they decide whether or not to intervene, is you know, is the impact on their own country, yeah. right? The future impact on their own country and on the world order. It's not that the United States cared so much about Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. I mean, they do. I mean, I, there, there's an aspect of that, right, where people want, you know, the right thing to be done. And somebody encroaching on another country, they feel like is not the right thing. And so they want 
to protect those people. But beyond that, when they are actually looking at, do we send money? Do we send resources? Do we send weapons? Sending weapons to another country is a huge, huge decision. And that is generally made because the country that's sending the weapons thinks that if the side that they're backing wins, they will be better off. Their country will be better off. The world order will be better off. Otherwise, I mean, how many conflicts around the world do we not get into, right? Like we don't talk about those. Yeah, like there was just a coup in Niger, right? We're not doing anything. Nobody's talking about that. I saw that at the bottom of a news article. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not big news here. We're not going to get involved. Yeah. Right. There's been civil conflict in Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, for decades. Yeah. We don't get involved. Thailand is still in flux. Yeah, my gosh. Yeah. And and that's a super interesting one because that sits in the middle of Southeast Asia Mm -hmm. and they've been a longtime ally to the East and the West. Yeah. And yet people, the southern border of Thailand continues to be this hotspot of Mm -hmm. violence and extremism. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. So, I mean, countries pick and choose who they they send their resources to. Based on what's in their own best interest. And it's self-serving. Yeah. Ultimately, it's self-serving. Wow. Yeah. So then Oceana. Mm Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Thanks. You now own a thousand Ripple coins. Now I have to read about it. And now you get to learn more about it. And we get to decide whether or not the race for gold versus the race for fiat currency versus the race for cryptocurrency. We're going to see who's going to win. Just bought me some gold. Woo woo. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe next year. Maybe next year. (laughs) Maybe next year. I'm going to use that, I think, every year. Every (laughs) year. Now, we also had a very interesting question mm-hmm. come in from the Spy Tribe, and mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. Because again, sticking to the theme of all the things that makes Jihee happy. <laughs> and the question came from a college student. Now, we get a lot of college student Spy Tribe members. Mm-hmm. And I have a heart for our college students yeah. because our stuff is expensive. Mm-hmm. Our training courses are expensive. Our digital courses are expensive. Mm-hmm. We both do that for a very clear reason. And we've explained that many times to other people, right? We, we charge the highest possible price that we can charge, mm-hmm. knowing that we're going to give more than the price back in value, right? Right. So if you're buying something from us for $50, mm-hmm. we're essentially guaranteeing that you're going to get $150 worth of value out of the thing. Or send right. it back or, or, or just tell us and we're going to refund you and we're, you're going to still keep it. Right. We have an incredible like 100% money back guarantee process. We have an incredible refund process mm-hmm. and we do it all because it makes our life very administratively simple. <laughs> right. You complain, here's your money back. Yeah. No counter argument, nothing, right? That's just how we do business. Right. But our stuff is so expensive that a lot of times college students can't buy it. Right. They can't drop $1,000 to come see us in person. It's very difficult for them to come up with, you know, even sometimes $25 mm-hmm. to spend on a digital product. Right. So I really like doing what we can to feed our college audience because those college students are the ones that are going to go on to become Mm -hmm. future CIA officers, future DIA officers, future entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So we had a question come in from the Spy Tribe from a college student asking, what is the best course of study if you Mm -hmm. wanna get into intelligence? If you want to work for a national security intelligence agency, not the NSA, but N, Mm -hmm. intelligence community partner, what's the course of study to pursue? I wanted to get your thoughts. Now that I've been in and I met a lot of people who work there and a lot of people during the interview process, I really think it could be anything. Mm. I think if it's something you're interested in, you should pursue it. I worked with a targeter who was a librarian 
his degree was in library infer i think it's called information sciences is library sciences library science I think it's library science yeah um so he'd been a librarian before he came on and now he was a targeter um you know i i met a lot of people study international relations um you know it's a very common degree i think that you should study what you want and mm -hmm. then it's really about life experience right it's about doing really well in your course study in the field that you've chosen and then traveling and getting different experiences and work and learning a language yeah. and just showing them that you have the aptitude to learn, right? Because CIA, for the most part, unless they're hiring you for a specialized position, they train you. Yeah. You come in, they want you to have certain features, certain personality features, um, you know, certain, you know, like just showing them that you can learn and you are adaptable, but yeah. then they train you. If you want to do something specific, like I was amazed when I when I started working at the CIA and I realized that they had graphic designers and they have all the tech guys are very specialized in what they do. They have people, cosmetologists, cosmetologists who do disguise makeup. Yeah. They have guys who are are prop makers, yeah. right? I mean, you can get a fine That's arts true. degree yeah. and come in as a, a prop maker to make, you know, concealment devices, yeah. right? Um, you know, NSA is the same thing. It's more specialized. So I, I really think, you know, it's up to you. It should just be something that you're going to do really well in and that will give you the breadth of experience that you can show the CIA that you can come in and adapt their training. So I think you nailed it with two words, aptitude, because mm -hmm. you're right, CIA is looking for, yeah. all the intelligence community members are looking for the aptitude to learn something new. Yes. Because you're always learning. When you're in the IC, when you're an intelligence officer, mm -hmm. you're always learning. Yeah. You're learning new languages, you're learning new cultures, you're learning new cases, yeah. you're learning new security situations, you're learning about new technology, you're learning new techniques, you're learning mm -hmm. all the time. It never stops. It's actually quite exhausting to I have to learn that much. So much. I was, I had the aptitude <laughs> to learn, but I certainly prefer to coast. That is, <laughs> I am really good at coasting. I am, it takes work to learn. So you nailed it with aptitude. Mm -hmm. And I think you also nailed it with the word adaptability. Yeah. Because you're right, they're also looking for people who can adapt. And it's funny because many times the, the, the college students who think they're the least qualified are actually the best suited for intelligence work. The people who uh, who have an aptitude to learn, and because of that, they get bored in one major. Mm -hmm. You were one of these people. You changed your major like four times. Four times. Yeah. I changed my major three times at least. Yeah. So you're in something. It's interesting. You mm -hmm. kind of get really good at it. You don't necessarily master it, but you get good enough at yes. it, and you're like, uh, I'm bored. Yeah. So let me go learn something new because the learning process is what's exciting to you. Mm -hmm. And then on the on the on the side where you are adaptable, mm -hmm. you you adapt to whatever the new thing is that you're trying to do. Yeah. So you need to be part of new clubs, let's go do it. You need a new social network, yeah. let's go do it, right? People harass you, criticize you, and this happens all the time in the academic world. Mm -hmm. As soon as you step out of line, criticism, harassment, mm -hmm. I mean, everything gets hard. Yeah. Just think about how hard it is, like the bureaucratic process of changing your major in some universities. It's oh, still yeah. very much like you have to take a physical file from one administrative <laughs> building to another administrative building. Those are hurdles. Yeah. People who are adaptable, they roll through those hurdles. I got to take six months off. No problem. Yeah. You're telling me I can't get this class until next until the summer semester. 
no yeah. problem. And they roll with it. That adaptability is so important because that's exactly what's going to happen mm -hmm. when you're in the field. Yeah. Right? And that was what I loved about the agency was our assignment changed every two to three years. Yeah. So I was developing a specialized skill that I was able to hone and refine and add to as new software programs were being created. But every two to three years, I got to do a completely new topic. Yeah. I got to go to a completely different place. And I loved it. I loved it so much. The only piece I would add as a third element that's important about university specifically mm -hmm. is CIA is looking for people, CIA, DIA, NSA, N NGA. NRO, NGA. Yeah. They're all looking for people who have the tenacity to finish. Yeah. That's what they're like. Do you have the tenacity to do the thing no matter how sucky and shitty it is? Yeah. And if you do, that's a big plus. And honestly, I mean, I was a 2.4 college student. What was your GPA coming out of college? Probably like a 2.65. <laughs> so think about this, yeah. right? If you go to CIA's website, you go to their homepage, mm -hmm. they will tell you not even, don't even bother applying. Yeah. Unless you're like a 3.8 student, I think it is. Mm. They have a they have a minimum requirement. Yeah. Don't even apply if you're not this. Yeah. But then they're actually hiring us. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> because because we applied anyways. Because yeah, because people <laughs> apply anyways. Yeah. Right. And you straight up applied. Yeah. You just straight up. My name is Jihee Bustamante, and I'm applying for a job. Yep. I know I don't meet your qualifications. Yeah. Here I am anyways. I was in the mode. I was applying all over the place. Yeah. I know I don't meet your qualifications, but I can do your job. <laughs> That's how I felt when I was 14. My The first job I was trying to get, I was 14. I wasn't old enough. Everybody was like, you don't have any experience. I'm like, I don't have a resume, but I can do your job. I, I'm looking at what you're doing right now. It's I can that do hard. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I can stock your CBS shelves. Yeah. No problem. Right? Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting because so often we get stuck in the idea that we have to meet qualifications mm -hmm. in order to be acceptable or yeah. to be accepted. Yeah. Right. When in reality, oftentimes what's happening is the bar is being set where it's at mm -hmm. to, to dissuade people yeah. who aren't courageous enough from yeah. even trying. That's why the CIA website says you need a 3.5 or a 3.8 to apply. Because if you don't have a 3.5 or a 3.8 and you're too afraid to apply anyways, for sure you're not going to do well here. Yeah. But coming from a 2.4 college grad and a 2.7 college grad, yeah. we had a pretty awesome career there. Oh, yeah. And we failed to meet pretty much every qualification that they put out there <laughs> on the website. But I must have rocked the psychological battery. <laughs> because I got hired. <laughs> <laughs> or you were just sick and twisted enough. <laughs> exactly. They're like, wow, she's really in the gray area. She's hired. <laughs> she's in. She's, she's going to do some in. terrible stuff and still be able to sleep at night. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the real test. Can you still sleep at night? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us for another awesome conversation. Keep in mind that we are checking the comments on every one of these videos. So if you have a question that you want us to bring up, if there was something that we covered today that you really liked or something that we covered that you really didn't like, drop it in the comments so that we can make we can bring it up in a future conversation. Uh, we're going to keep having these conversations. We're going to keep talking about everything from world affairs to domestic issues to parenting struggles. That's just what we do here. So leave your comments, hit subscribe, share this with a friend, and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much, everyone.